Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. John chapter 14 and verse number 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me we want to follow jesus because he's the way we want to follow jesus because he's the truth and we have eternal life because we follow him and we've we've trusted in him but there's a lot of distractions in this world and so we've been going through on Thursdays, calling it Uncomfortable Thursdays, because we're ta- tackling some subjects and topics. So we're going to continue with a bit of an historical timeline. And the title of the lesson tonight is The Rise and the Fall, and then the Rise of the Christ Mass, or Christmas. And we looked at earlier, um, there really isn't any biblical evidence that Paul or any of the apostles observed Jesus' birthday. We can't find that in the Bible. We don't have any record of any first century follower of Christ celebrating Christ's birthday. We read nowhere of anyone going to Jesus's birthday party. Um, And it's a little bit ironic today that we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of Jesus and we all give each other gifts, but what do we give Jesus? Something to think about nonetheless. What are we giving Jesus? You know, he asks us to give him our life as service, which he calls reasonable. And we, he says that in Romans 12, and um, we get that principle. Um, but these first century Christians, I don't believe they had time to cut a tree out of the forest because they were too busy setting the world on fire for Christ. They were too busy witnessing. Um, they were too busy doing the work of the ministry, making it full proof. They didn't have time to do all of these things and festivities that we as Americans have a lot of hobby time for. And we already talked about we don't have any mention in history about Christmas until the third century. And we don't have any record of it really gaining any ground until the fourth century. It never gained popularity until then. And as a result. Christians never celebrated Christmas or this Christ mass. All of that festivities surrounding around that date of December 25th before the third century was all about pagan Druids, really. So just a quick overview of the history that we looked at. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. We should follow Jesus as best as we can. And I'm not saying that to imply or assume that those that celebrate Christmas don't know that verse and don't try to follow Jesus the best that they can. After all, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, one Lord, we have one faith, we have one baptism, we have one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So we as Christians can disagree on this. It doesn't divide us 
as having a one God, the one God, the one Father, the one Spirit. It, it, it doesn't. Nobody leaves the body of Christ because they agree or disagree with, well, me, I'm commentating on this lesson, <laughs> or, or anybody that commentates on the Bible. And that's what we do as preachers. That's what we do as Christians. People say, well, you, you should get away from the commentaries and just study the Bible. Well, every time you every time you say something about the Bible, you you comment on it. <laughs> You're giving a living commentary. And that's all I'm doing. That's all any preacher does. That all that is all any Christian lady does when she's witnessing to someone or holding a, a Bible study with with her Christian friends or whatever it is. We're commenting on the Bible. And when there's disagreement, it doesn't change who God is. And it doesn't change us that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Nobody leaves the body of Christ over this stuff. We want to get that out of the way. But we are up to the point now in the fourth century, we have the rise of the Roman Catholic Church. They've always ignored scripture. <laughs> They've always rested it to their own destruction. What would make you and I believe that the date surrounding Jesus's birthday would be any different? Of course, they're not going to pay attention to what the Bible says concerning this. I personally believe it's a blasphemous move that they made the birth date of Christ. It's it's a pagan druid God where they worship the creation of God, not the creator. I find it to be blasphemous. The birthday of the son of God, the birthday of the sun God now conveniently matches and merges with the birthday of the son of God. So we have that point. This was their prayer. It really was. As this thing starts to come into view in history, that Saturnalia and all these pagan festivals would merge into the church. They calculated this. They sanctioned this. And they wanted to, to become a form of Christianity. Now, of course, it was a Roman Catholic form of Christianity. But that was the first coexist campaign. <laughs> You got pagan druids, you got festivals, you've got the Roman Catholic Church that's trying to convert everybody. Let's all coexist. Let's just merge the two together. And historically, that is how it came together. Let's have these pagan festivals have a date that will match a Christian so-called event. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 2:8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Are we following the tradition of men rather than Christ? After the rudiments of the world, are we following those rudiments and not after Christ? Now, I know this thing has become, most of these holidays have become more American than they have been Christian. It's if you try to take baseball away from them, well, they did that this year with a, with a virus, but maybe that won't work as, as as a current event application. Try to take baseball away. Try to take football away. Try to take apple pie away. Try to take 
all of these things that you would see as American culture that aren't wrong, that aren't sinful. It's almost like that is what these holidays have become. They're just American days. I, I don't think most people even consider it to be Christian. That's my opinion on it. I don't know if that's 100% true, but I do know it, it's Christmas, the name Christ. <laughs> Guess what they want to take out and exit out. That's why it's Xmas. They don't want Christ's name mentioned. I'd rather have the name of Christ mentioned. Anyway, so that's what we have going on in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, by the seventh century, Pope Gregory I, he ordered Augustine of Canterbury to incorporate all of these pagan practices into the Roman Catholic Church, which greatly, greatly grew it and expanded it. In 1223, St. Francis of Assisi creates the first nativity scene in Italy. St. Francis wanted, now this is a Roman Catholic, but he wanted the emphasis of Christmas on worshiping Jesus. So historically, we still have up to 1223, a Roman Catholic realizing that this thing ain't about Jesus. <laughs> now, that's a pretty long time ago. And this is a Roman Catholic, and he says, we want to have the emphasis on Christ and on worshiping him, not on materialism, all of the revelry and all of the gift exchanges that were going on that were borrowed from all these pagan festivals that we looked at in earlier lessons. The Middle Ages lasted up to the 15th century. The Christ Mass took on a very party-like atmosphere. It was like Mardi Gras. That was the Christ Mass. It gained a lot of popularity. Some of what was practiced, I won't mention tonight because of children in the room, and it would be, I don't think it would edify anybody. Um, but there was rioting. We see that today, by the way. So some things don't change. Murder. And a bunch of other pagan and druid style rituals. It was everything, everything but Christian. Everything but that. It's the winter solstice celebration. We're going to get more sun. Let's worship our sun god. All rules, all regulation, all government. Nobody's going to get arrested. Have at it. And that's how they celebrated it. But, and here's a little bit of our message. We'll, we'll get into a, a, a bit of a happier note. Enter good old Oliver Cromwell, a Puritan. These celebrations were just debauchery. It was revelry. It was, it was blood-drenched celebrations that got so out of hand in England that in 1652, following the execution of King Charles I, the Christ Mass was finally outlawed in England. This is where Oliver Cromwell is. He's in England. 
he's a he's a, he's a he's a Puritan, and he said, if the world were to be made safe for the godly, the king must be executed. <laughs> so he had him executed. Oliver Cromwell led a Reformation movement. The Puritans, they took the biblical mandate very, very seriously. They can, the, the, Christianity should remain pure and Christianity should remain separate from paganism. That was his position. That was the Puritans position. But despite their efforts, all of these celebrations went underground. Here's what Cromwell did. I, I think he ruled for four years, maybe eight years. I have to go back and check that. I don't know. But in England, when he ruled, instead of businesses closing on the 25th of December, Cromwell required businesses to stay open. <laughs> Nobody's closing. You're staying open. He had put soldiers and people to patrol the streets to make sure nobody was doing these Christ mass style celebrations. And they laid down the hammer. Now, we all know that didn't last long. By 1656, the public demanded the legalization of the Christ mass. So we had this rise of Christmas or the Christ mass. It got merged. The Roman Catholic Church did a phenomenal job in blending it in, growing their base of followers. And it saw a rise from the third century to the fourth century to the fifth century. And good old Ollie Cromwell comes in and England this happened. And he says, not here, James. And the Puritans led that reformation and the thing started to fall. But it didn't last long. The Puritans had a lot of stuff right. But you can't legalize Christian living. You can't say, I'm going to force you to not celebrate this, and I'm going to force you to stay open, and I'm going to arrest anybody that's doing this, and I'm going to require you to wear a black hat, and I'm going to require you to wear a white shirt that's buttoned up, and I'm going to require the ladies to wear this. You can't legislate those things because it'll just go underground like this festival went. People are going to do what they want to do. Instead, go over to Colossians 3, and here's the principle I want us to get. Because we can't be, nor do I want to be, the type of preacher or the type of church or the type of uh, um, gathering of believers that slams the hammer down on people and says, you've got to do this or you ain't right. Okay, what if they do it, but they hate your guts? What if they do it when they see you, but their heart is so underground that they're so far removed from it that they don't even care? Christianity at the core of it is a heart issue. And Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15, here's what we need to have rule. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. 
to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. How are you going to get somebody else to see your viewpoint or to listen to your exposition or commentary on the Bible? How are you going to really do that effectively? Colossians 3.15. If they see that you are letting the peace of God rule in your heart, they can disagree with you. They can think you're a crazy nut. They can think you're completely lost your mind. But they will listen to you. And they will go away in disagreement respecting you because they saw something that's in your heart, the peace of God. And they heard something that wasn't English words. It was the peace of God ruling in your heart. So what's more important? To put up a tree or not put up a tree? To have an egg hunt or not have an egg hunt? To carve out a, a, a jack-o'-lantern to scare off evil spirits or to not carve jack-o'-lanterns? What is more important? Letting the peace of God rule in your heart. Because if we don't do that, the only thing I will become is just a mean old grumpy preacher. That just hates everybody and everything. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't hate the things that God hates. I'm not saying that at all. But we best be able to balance out letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. So that we can honestly have the conversation. And have somebody come away and say, you know what? They might not say it like this, but have them say, the peace of God rules in that guy's heart. The peace of God rules in that gal's heart. Rather than you're the devil because you put up a tree. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? By and large, most Christians, that, well, most Christians will disagree with, with me on this, and that's fine. But by and large, most Christians that put up a tree aren't pagan people. <laughs> They're not. Okay? So Cromwell tried to legislate it. When Charles II was appointed, guess what he did? He restored the monarchy in England and he restored the celebration of the Christ Mass. The Puritans had lost England, but they had hopes for the new world. So they came from England to the U.S., Puritans. They wanted religious freedom. Why did people come to the United States? To get out of the reign of the Roman Catholic government, I mean church, because <laughs> it was a government, it was a state. I mean, that's how people live. Well, I don't like that. I don't want to go by that. Okay, we well, then go ahead down to the town square. We're going to arrest you. We're going to cut your head off. Huh? Yeah. That was Roman Catholicism. Now it's not like that now, but. Imagine being under that. This is why people came to America. Freedom. 
If you want to worship a tree, go ahead. If you don't want to kiss the Pope's ring, you're free to not kiss the ring. And you are free to worship the true and living God without a church government telling you not to. And we're seeing those freedoms being stripped away, by the way. We all we all know that. They wanted religious freedom. They didn't want a hierarchy. They didn't want corrupt, organized, franchised religion. What has America turned into? Franchised religion. It's about a building, a social club, meeting new people, finding a mate who has a who's faith based. And by and large, our American Christianity is blasphemous to a holy God. Blasphemous. And you can throw darts on a map and you can find a little church here, a little church there, a little church here, a little church there. That's really trying to go after living for God and really ready to submit their lives to living for him. But they came, they had the knowledge of the danger of these pagan practices. And following England's lead in 1659, America outlawed Christmas. And for 200 years, the clergy battled to keep this celebration, honoring the pagan god Saturn from infiltrating the new world. It was a battle. Matter of fact, in 1712, on Christmas Day, a fiery sermon from Reverend Cottonmaker was delivered. But the public's taste for sin and revelry still persisted. In 1712, on Christmas Day, imagine doing that in America. You would be written up in the paper. You would be on social media. They would look at you like you are the meanest man in the world. I'm not suggesting that that's what we're going to do December 25th. I'm just suggesting that we have come a long way from even being able to stomach somebody telling us something that's hard to swallow. And this whole, so uh, let's bring it current. This whole social idea of just being able to scroll, scroll, scroll. People just get lost in their phone. It's their world. It's their world. It is. I've got to do every, all my business is on pretty much is online. I have to be careful of not. I just got to turn the thing off. Turn it off. I'm, as I'm telling you this, as I'm telling you this, I am remembering. My, my best friend from back home in New Jersey, I am remembering the discussions and the comments that he would make to me and say, Fortunato, when are you going to get yourself a cell phone? I am so sick of leaving you a message for you to come to the office and listen to the message and then call me back. And then it turned into Fortunato. Hey, look, 
you're just missing out on all the benefits that all of us have. So he turned it around from a negative to a positive. And because I just wouldn't get a cell phone. I just didn't want one. Now I feel like I can't live without it. I got to get back to somebody. All I'm saying is it's easy for us to get into our own little world and lose focus of reality. And then just kind of come into church for an hour, get a little B12 shot at Jesus, and then back up into the rudiments of this world, the traditions of men. Okay, let's get back on course here. Where are we at? Okay, we are in 1828. Gang rioting during Saturnalia. Christmas-type festivities and celebrations. They got so bad in New York. They were forced to issue a professional police force for the first time in order to control the crowd revelry and debauchery and the savagery. Matter of fact, it was not widely celebrated in some places. It was outlawed. It was mainly because the churches regarded it as a pagan celebration and a reproach to God. Nothing is a reproach to, 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 to God in people's eyes anymore. Everything goes in front of God anymore. Let's just do whatever. Let's just get drunk. Let's just have parties. Let's just walk around half naked. Let's do everything against our God in front of his face. And act like it's not a reproach to him. And we see that every weekend in pretty much every major city right now. By the mid-19th century, American churches were the last remaining holdout in the war against the, the Christ mass. But they ended up giving in because of the American Sunday School Society. Comes in, they start advocating Christmas programs to children. Here was their reasoning. We can get kids in the pews. They're not bad people. I don't even know if they had bad intentions. They just saw a way to get kids in church. I mean, what's wrong with that? These aren't bad people. They're by and large Christian people, part of the body of Christ. But we just keep going a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing you know, the thing's wide open. <clears throat> They wanted children to be taught the birth of Christ through the reenactment of the nativity. They also wanted to offer them candy and treats. This would help entice families to come and accept the holiday despite its history of blatant pagan roots. You got all this turmoil. You got all this tension. This is pagan. The church shouldn't be involved in it. And in comes the the American Society of Sunday School, let's find a middle ground. Let's just bring the kids in. Let's have a cute little play. Let's give them some candy. We'll get more kids in church. We'll find a middle ground. We'll make everybody happy. Except that turned into trick-or-treating. That turned into candy rabbits. And we know how it goes. And now we are where we are at in America. 
This is how most of these celebrations are promoted. And this is how we get young kids to accept these pagan practices as innocent. It's the same thing with the, with the books on witchcraft and the shows on witchcraft and the movies on witchcraft. We make it innocent and fun, and then, boom, we hook the kids. What kid doesn't want to have fun? What kid doesn't want candy? And who's the mean bad guy? That'd be me. <laughs> That'd be a Bible-believing preacher that just says, hey, can we at least look at this and consider it and have the conversation? I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're of the devil. I'm not saying you're a druid. I'm saying, can we at least open the Bible and look at some history and have the conversation? And most of the time, it's, no, you're a mean man. Here's what sealed the deal. Charles Dickens, England's most popular writer in 1843. He wrote a book called The Christmas Carol. Oh, boy, the hearts and minds of Americans, they just fell in love. And there it goes. Dickens' story was so loved, he made the, the pagan Christmas festival into shiny trees and snow and warmth, and it was just irresistible, and it just became this wonderful holiday. Once Dickens came to America, he wrote the book in 1843. In 1867, he comes to America to promote his work. He packed theaters, packed them. That stopped any further attempt from the church gaining any ground in stopping the celebration. By 1875, the Puritans had been beaten. And by 1890, historically, this is history here, in 1890, all American states had voted in Christmas as a legal holiday. If I could go back in time, I'd like to be running for office in 1890. <laughs> Governor of. <laughs> All right. So there's a brief history. Now, God said in Genesis chapter one, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We are, we are made in the image of God. We ought to act like it. In everything that we do, we want to have the we want to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We want to be careful about arguing with someone about things through our flesh. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter ten, verse sixteen: "Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves." If you're a sheep, I, we have sheep. You know what we have to do? We got to put up fencing. We got to put barbed wire at the top, barbed wire at the bottom, because we don't want the coyotes and the wolves coming in at night and getting the sheep. If you're a sheep and I'm a sheep and we're sheeps, is sheeps a word? What's the plural of sheeps? Sheep. That's a singular and a plural. Amen. If we're sheep, should we be running after trying to get in fights with wolves? We need to be protected by God and his word. We need to be real careful of acting in our flesh like we're a strong, powerful, in the flesh wolf when we're really sheep that are weak and our strength only comes from the Lord. And that's why we need to have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. But nonetheless, we do need to be careful of the wolves and that's why the Bible says, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
You're not going to get anywhere trying to beat people up over this. You're going to have to be wiser than that. I'm going to have to be wiser than that. And finally, Romans 12, 18, we'll close with this verse. The Bible says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with only the people you like. Live peaceably with all the people that are your friends on social media. Live peaceably with everybody that lines up with your worldview philosophy that you created on your scroll. Because when you watch this, the algorithm gives you more of that. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. It doesn't tell us to find our little, little box of a world and live in that. It says, if possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And let's try to do that. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.